Well, it's good to see you once again, and I thank you so much for watching these things. It's a joy to be able to prepare them for you, and I do it uh, out of love for you and a desire for all of us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. So uh, thank you, because it means a lot to me to know that you are watching, and I hope that you grow by them. Now, we've been talking about some worldviews. We're not necessarily trying to refute a religion or a philosophy or anything like that. Uh, this is not Ron Carlson. But we are looking at worldviews that do affect the way people think, the way that they view society, culture, uh, morality, all of those type of things. And so we've talked about Gnosticism, the idea that, well, you've got the Bible and you've got those things that you've always been taught, but those are so elementary, there's a deeper, um, better knowledge out there apart from the Word of God. And so we looked at that and we talked about how that elevates a person and how it also devalues God and His Word. We talked about legalism, which says, again, basically, that God's Word is not really accurate, it's not really safe, even though a legalist might contend for that. And yet they're always adding to the Word, they're always judging other people by standards that are not in the Bible. And in doing so, they exalt themselves like the Pharisees did so often. And they trust in themselves that they're righteous. And it makes it based upon performance or works and all of that. Kind of the same result, devaluing God and His Word and elevating man. Then we looked at dualism, which we said that good and evil under that view were just two sides of the coin. No big deal. Just choose one or the other and try to keep them balanced in your life. And uh, it's really not God that's sovereign because the devil cancels him out. It's you and it's your vo vote. It's your choice, whatever you do. And that, again, devalues the Word of God, devalues God in our eyes, and elevates us. You see a common theme? Well, today we're going to be talking about Darwinism. And again, I'm not here uh, at this point to try to give you all of the evidence to refute evolution. I'm just talking about the worldview. What happens when people, when a society, embrace the worldview of Darwinism? Well... The definition that we're going to use is that Darwinism is the belief that the universe is the result of random chance occurring completely in a natural world and not the purposeful plan of a creative and sovereign God. You get that? Just random chance. Nothing really planned, nothing designed, no purpose, nothing like that at all. Now, our society, our culture has embraced this. In fact, when you uh, think about the concept of nothing plus nothing equals everything, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. In fact, if your child came in and they had a, a Rolex watch and you looked at that and, I mean, you see the gold and you see the diamonds that are in it and you know that this is even an expensive watch for a Rolex, which are very expensive. And this child said, well, I just had a few things in a shoebox under my bed, and over time, this is, this is what happened. You would, well, you'd be beside yourself, wouldn't you? And you would tell that kid he lied to you and making it up and all of that type of thing. 
Um, you, you, it just doesn't happen, and we've never observed anything like that. And even um, when you think about uh, all of the things that are going on in life and in our world, and uh, this kind of thing just doesn't make sense. We don't really see that. And yet we are expected to believe this. And I uh, think that there's more than just a scientific variance of opinion. I think this is a worldview that was belched out of hell for obvious reasons, I think. Because when we talk about Darwinism, you can't have this without coming to the conclusion that, number one, there is no God. This is all, the universe is all the product of random chance, not the design, not an intelligent design by a creator or anything like that, that there is absolutely no God. Well, you remember what the Bible says. The biblical worldview says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. In fact, it goes on and presents to us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the totality of it, but it's where it all begins. And Darwinism starts with the idea that there is absolutely no God at all. And so this leads to uh, chaotic, foolish philosophies and actions. I mean, we look around and we wonder why our world is in such a mess, why society seems to be going the wrong direction, why things are falling apart, why it is that people can be so cruel and so heartless, inhumane, all of those type of things. Well, it comes from the idea of rejecting a God and rejecting everything that goes with that. And it elevates our ideas. It elevates um, our philosophies. It elevates man and man's word, man's ideas, man's discoveries, man's conclusions about things to a godlike status. And so you can't take away God without elevating something in its place, and we as humans are more than happy to do what Lucifer did. You remember in, I believe it's Ezekiel 28, uh, Lucifer was an angel in heaven, and he led a rebellion because he said, I am going to inhabit the throne of the Most High. Well, that's what we're doing here on earth. We're following after him, elevating ourselves to godlike status. So the easiest way for us to do that is to say that there's no God, everything is of random chance, and uh, so somebody's got to rule, somebody's got to be in charge, and we'll gladly take that place, and we'll take the throne of the Most High. And so this necessarily devalues, of course, the Word of God. People think that Genesis is a myth, and they think the creation story is a myth, and it's laughable, and there's no one who could uh, possibly believe that with any... Um, bit of logic, and yet you think about what they are saying to replace that. It's uh, preposterous the way we live. No God. That also means, number two, that there is no plan. Think about that. No plan. There's no reason why the ecosystem fits together the way that it does. You know, the other day I was watching a video that uh, somebody had posted, you all have seen it, about those murder hornets. And then it showed a praying mantis eating, I mean, it was disgusting, eating the uh, head of the murder hornet. You know what I thought about? There's something that will eat just about anything. I mean, a vulture will eat a decomposing animal or a decomposing body. Who, who would want to do that? 
We're repulsed by those kind of things. There's all kinds of stuff in here. Isn't it amazing how it all fits together and how the balance is there and how it all works and it works in perpetuity and this is all because of the design of a sovereign God. But if you think about uh, Darwinism, the idea is that there's no plan to any of that. There's no plan at all to it. It doesn't fit together by any cause other than an accident, other than mutation, other than just random chance and products of evolution. And so um, when we think about uh, that, it means basically that, uh, how would we put this? Life, you, me, the ecosystem, everything is just an accident. Now think about the ramifications of that in line with this coronavirus thing. What caused all of the panic? Now I'm not saying the virus is not serious. Uh, today they told us that the death rate in the United States or the death toll went over 100,000. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Now it's far less than what they first were saying. Models were saying you know, two million would die and I'm thankful that so far that hasn't happened. At the same time, to kill 100,000 people, this is a serious disease. So I agree with that. We take it seriously. But the idea that scientists and medical science has comes from an evolutionary background. There is no God, and everything has happened in terms of evolution, survival of the fittest, those type of things, and also mutations. Have you ever noticed whenever they talk about viruses like this and they talk about uh, whether it's flu or COVID-19 or something, they always talk about, you know, well, there could be some mutations. Well, we know there are going to be mutations. That's the way things work. But if you don't believe in a God who has created us in His image and a God who has given us wisdom to understand how the world works and even how disease works, I mean, in their minds, we're just one mutation away from being wiped out. There's not a lot of hope in that. There's not a lot of positivity in that. In fact, there's an awful lot of fear in that and a lot of fear-mongering in that. And a lot of people are making a lot of money in fear-mongering and those type of things. We're scared to death as a human race that something is going to wipe us out. It's going to be a nuclear war. It's going to be global warming. It's going to be some pandemic, those type of things. You say, uh, preacher, do you fear any of those kind of things? Well, I don't want to be in a nuclear war, and I don't want to get a disease. I don't want to be a part of a virus, and I certainly hope that we're better stewards of the environment than that. But at the same time, do I believe that humans can control those type of things? Well, not to the degree that other people do. I think anything we have, any control we have in those things is pretty minuscule. I don't elevate us to that point. However, I do elevate God who says that there is a time and a purpose for everything and the God who has made a plan for this world and the God who created human life. In fact, we are created in the image of God and human life is therefore sacred above plant life or animal life or anything like that. And I don't believe that humans are going to be off of the planet until God says it's time for them to be off of the planet. And read the book of Revelation and you can find out, you know, a lot about how that is going to happen. And so those other things don't worry me in terms of wiping out the human race or causing our extinction. Only God can do that. You see the difference? 
And so I don't have to live a life of fear. I don't have to live in terror of all of that because I know that even my life, I'm a creation of God. You're a creation of God. And there is a certain amount of time that God has given us to live. And we're not going to die a second sooner or live a second longer than what God has ordained. Therefore, I can look at all of this and again, take it seriously, but I don't have to be afraid of it because I'm either going to get this virus or I'm not, right? And I'm either going to live or I'm going to die. And whether I live or I die, I am the Lord's. And so there's a certain amount of peace and an ability to rest in that as opposed to this world that is so chaotic and so fearful because they don't see a plan. Everything is random. Everything is an accident. Everything is very, 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 very fragile in their minds. Think about all of that. And it uh, takes us and makes us very vulnerable and uh, fearful and afraid of all of this. And um, I've already talked about that. Let me scoot down in my notes. And here's the other thing, and I think uh, from a biblical Christian worldview, this is something that does concern me more than anything else. See, basically, it takes human life and makes us of no more value than bacteria, doesn't it? And that's part of the rationale for abortion on demand. See, I believe that conception is the beginning of life and that uh, a, a child, even in the womb, is made in the image of God and that life is sacred. But if you believe in Darwinism, then you look around and you say, well, resources are scarce. The world is getting overpopulated. Uh, we need to thin the herd. Now, isn't it interesting when they want to thin the herd and they do that because they don't think human life is any more valuable than deer or anything else. So they go after the most vulnerable among us. You know, I'd like to see some of those people say, we've got too many people. Let's go attack a marine base and kill them. Well, you know they're not going to do that because those Marines will defend themselves and that'd be disaster. So what do they do? They go after the most vulnerable among us, a baby in its mother's womb, and they justify it. And Darwinism makes their justification seem plausible and even palatable in a world like ours. So there's something wrong when we look at that and we see that there's under that system, no plan. Thirdly, there's no authority, there's no accountability. In other words, there's no judge, there's no ruler, there's nobody but you or me to say what is right, what is wrong. Hey baby, if it feels good, do it. It's kind of like in the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And what seems right for one person is very wrong for another. Think about all of the things we've heard about with sexual abuse. And make no mistake, I am 100% against that. But you think about this from a Darwinistic standpoint. And if we've been teaching this for generations now, then what's to stop a man who is in power from using a woman, let's say, who does not have much power in a situation, a job situation or something like that, and doing whatever he wants to do with her and to her. Well, who is she to judge him? And who are we to judge him? I mean, when you push this to its limits, anybody can do anything that they want at any time that they want and in any way that they want. And society just doesn't work like that. We believe that there is a God 
who is the ruler, who is the judge, and who has given us morality from himself in his word, and we live by what he has said. The Ten Commandments are, after all, not the Ten Suggestions, are they? And so this worldview is really trying to bring us to a place to say we can do whatever we want, any way we want to do it, and to whomever we want to do it. Now, we have some things in place that kind of restrain us, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. But when you look at a Hitler or a Stalin and all of the millions of people that they killed without so much as an afterthought, without a pang of conscience as far as we know, and why do they do that? Because they dehumanized the people that they killed. And that's what we're doing with abortion. That's what we do with this whole philosophy. And that's why we have things coming on, euthanasia, genocide, all of those kind of things that, that come up. And it's going to get worse unless we experience some type of revival. The other thing that I noticed is, number four, under this system, there is absolutely no purpose no purpose to anything. Now, I was listening to someone call in on a national radio show the other day, and they were saying, uh, it, was, it was a millennial, and they said, I just don't feel like what I do has any purpose. And the thought occurred to me, that's a kid who probably believes in evolution. Isn't it kind of ironic that someone who thinks that there is no God, there is no judge, there is no morality, there is no creation, everything's just random chance, your life and my life has no more value or anything sacred to it uh, than a virus or a bacteria, but I want to find my purpose in life. It doesn't make any sense because you'll never find purpose in life with a Darwinistic worldview. You're just there until some mutation takes you out. You're just there until some animal eats you. You're just there until something better comes along and uh, the process, they say, is still continuing. You see, under this system, when you answer the question, why am I here? What, what does the Darwinist answer for that? What is it that gives somebody a purpose, a reason to live, a reason to exist on all of that? It's very difficult to come up with that. What is my reason for living? Well, you just are lucky. That's just really all it is. And what was I made to do? Well, you really weren't made to do anything. All you do is just live, reproduce, have fun, die. That's all it is. And um, if this all is true, then these questions are even irrelevant. When somebody says, what is my purpose? Why am I here? How do I find fulfillment? Well, you're not supposed to. There's not anything like that for you because there's no reason for anything or anyone at all. It's a horrible way to try to live and to try to look at life. But in conclusion, let me just remind you of some things here, and it's going to be a long conclusion, by the way, um, that the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in distinction, in contradistinction to Darwinism, that you were created by God and you were created in His image. Did you know that the reason you ought to uh, desire justice for every person is because they're created in the image of God. The reason that you ought to defend other people, especially the helpless, is because you and they are created in the image of God. The reason that we have creativity as human beings, the reason that we can invent, the reason that we can improve life, air conditioning, indoor plumbing, things like that. No dolphins ever come up with anything like that. 
It's because we're made in the image of God who is the creator of this wonderful and beautiful and awesome universe in which we live. In fact, even your body is fearfully and wonderfully made because you are the product of creation. This is a wonderful thing, and we see this expressed in humanity all the time. Now, it's marred in humanity, and it's not everything that it ought to be, but it is indeed there. We recognize that, and that affects the way we treat people. When you think about that uh, man in Minneapolis where the cop kept his knee on the guy's neck when he was pleading for his life uh, until the guy eventually died, George Floyd. What is the injustice in all of that? Why is it that that hurts our hearts? Why is it that we cry out that this is not right and we want the policeman to be held accountable? Why do we do that? Because we're made in the image of God. And Mr. Floyd was an image bearer of God. And when we hold the policeman accountable, we hold him accountable because as a law enforcement officer and as a human being, he also bears the image of God. And because we have a creator, there's a right and a wrong. There is a justice. He has shown thee, O man, Micah 6, 8, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Well, Darwinism kicks all of that out, and then you have problems. Genesis 1, 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You see the difference? We're also created by design. Psalm 139:14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So we also can think about the fact that we're created for God's glory. What's my purpose in life? The old Westminster Confession said that our chief purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so that colors and flavors everything that I think, every philosophy that I have, the way that I use things, the way that I treat people, the way that I see life. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and created for the glory of God. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now all of a sudden, we have a different purpose. Now all of a sudden, we have a right and a wrong. We have some accountability. We have something that is... Um, designing and ordering us and life and we have reasons for things and they are all rooted in God and in His glory. We're also created for a specific time. Psalm 139.16, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. There's your security in your life. Some people live long, some people live short, but that's in the hands of God. That is not just random chance that is controlling all of that. There's a, a reason for that. And whatever it is that God wants you to do, He will give you the time and He will give you the ability to do it. And some people do more in a short period of time than other people do with a hundred years. 
David Brainerd was a missionary to Native Americans in the early part of our country's existence. And uh, oh my goodness, in his journal, the things that he writes and the things that he accomplished are absolutely amazing and glorious. And he died when he was 28. Well, what a tragedy that he died. No, he had enough time to do exactly what God wanted him to do, and he made the most of it. Don't waste your life, in other words. Um, it also, when we look at the Bible, tells us that we are created to be redeemable. Now, if you ascribe to Darwinism, you don't really believe in depravity or a fallen nature. In fact, you have very little explanation for all of the crime and the evil and the wickedness and treachery that uh, humanity commits every day. But if you are a Bible believer, you understand that human beings are indeed depraved. They are sinners who need a Savior. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.15 that uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, Paul says. We were created to be redeemable. That's an amazing thing. And I'm so glad that uh, the Lord created us so that we could not only um, know God, but to be redeemed by Him through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly here, we, were, we are created with a sense of, of accountability. Uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said this, he has put eternity in their heart. You know, when you think about a dog, I love dogs, and I miss having a dog around, and, uh, you know, man's best friend, they always say. But uh, in the dog I had, a very smart dog named Barry, a Sheltie, a good dog, but I never saw him sit and look and contemplate a sunset. I never saw him look in the mirror and uh, ask me, do, uh, you know, is my fur making me look fat? Do I need to go on a diet? How do I look today? He, had, he didn't have that kind of self-awareness. He didn't really have an appreciation for beauty or anything like that. He was created to be what he was, and he was very good at that. And when I think about humans and who we are, we have eternity in our hearts. I don't think Barry ever sat around and thought, is there an afterlife? Will I go to doggy heaven? We might think about that. I've heard Christians debate that sometimes at a church fellowship. But you know what? Barry never really thought about it. He didn't care about it because eternity wasn't put in his heart. But it is in mine. And it is in yours. And it is in everyone. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 12, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. You see, the human being tends to say, if there is a God, I'm okay because I'm basically good. And look at all the good works that I do. And everybody who doesn't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord is going to be judged according to this passage in Revelation 20. And they're going to be judged. They're going to make the claim before the judge of the universe, my good outweighs my bad. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to accommodate their defense. And He's going to open up books. And they will see that their good does not outweigh their bad, that they indeed are sinners, and that they're in need of a Savior. 
but they didn't want a savior, they didn't trust a savior, they have no use for a savior, and the book, the main book will be open and their name is not written in the book of life and they spend eternity in the lake of fire. Every knee shall bow, the Bible says in Philippians 2. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even Darwin, even those who follow his philosophies and reject every bit of accountability and every bit of deism, every bit of design, whatever it may be, one of these days they will bow the knee and they will confess that Jesus is Lord. Oh, they won't do it willingly, they'll do it under compulsion. And uh, that will be the thing that they say before they are cast into a Christless, godless, hopeless eternity. But God has given us the message of life and the message of hope that contradicts everything that Darwinism says. There is a God and there is a plan and there is a purpose in everything that we do in life. And thank God that humans have been made to be redeemable. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, I hope that you will. I would pray that even now the Holy Spirit would be bringing conviction into your heart to rescue out of this Christless, hopeless, dark eternity that you would find in hell and in the lake of fire to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, to have your sins forgiven, to be acceptable in His sight, and to be welcomed into His presence when you die. That's the joy. This is eternal life, Jesus said, not just going to heaven, but that they may know you. And my prayer is that you would know Him, that you would know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, because you've repented of your sins and you put your full trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and you've confessed Him as Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, why don't you do that now? Cry out to Him because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you are a saved person, don't forget what your God has done for you. Don't forget how He has made you in the world in which you live. Don't forget that He is your Father and your Shepherd who is leading you, who is taking care of you, who is protecting and preserving you. Rest in Him, rest in Him, and tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. There is a reason for living, and it is the glory of God. Thank you so much for watching. We encourage you to watch all of our live streams if you are unable to attend our worship services. And um, we are open on Sunday mornings at 1015 and uh, we enjoy getting together and being able to sing together and have a message from God's Word. The uh, other services, Sunday evening at 5.30 and Wednesday at 6.45 are also being live streamed by pre-recorded video. So take advantage of that. Take advantage of the opportunity to give. You can give by uh, sending a check to the uh, church address or you can drop it in our mailbox, it is secure or you can give online and thank you for your gifts and thank you for your prayers during this time because we certainly do need the wisdom of the Lord. This is not our church, this is His church and we want Him to receive glory and we want the message of God to go out to all creatures all over the face of the earth. So thank you for helping us do that and thank you for your part in doing that as well and may the Lord bless you.